I think it started a couple of years ago, really, and, you know, a lot of concern and then getting in touch with Lock the Gate and having some wonderful support and help from Simone Van Hattam. And um, we actually had gone to our local shire and asked if they would support the community in the community had already shown, you know, said, talked among themselves and said, oh, we don't want this, we don't want this, and what do we do to try and stop it? And this was a first option, really, apart from signing the petitions that went to state government prior to them lifting the ban. Um, yeah, it started way back then, and then um, the Shah supported us fully on uh, their community and did write a letter to the state government saying that they were supporting the community who did not want fracking. And um, then we thought, well, we've got to do a survey, we've got to back all this up. So it was really just four of us, four women, and three of us pretty ancient. No, I was the ancient one, a couple of other older ones, and one young woman with four young children. Um, and it was a case of going from door to door in Woodridge. Um, that was probably about 320 homes here, and we're all on three or five-acre blocks. So it was quite a, it was quite big actually, to to um, work out how to do it. But um, anyway, we we did. We found a way. We had maps and. And um, that was what we did. Um, it took a while because we all sort of needed to feel able to get up that day and go out and do it. And that going talking to people, asking what they um, felt about fracking. And eventually people who got to hear we were going around even ended up ringing up and saying, hey, look, we want to be included in this survey. Can you please... Um, you know, include us as, as people who don't want fracking, people who've already got information on it and learnt something about it. So that's basically how how the survey got done. It took a few months, though, to get right ground, and um, that was that was how we did it. And the survey resulted in, a, in an extraordinary 99.1% results against fracking in the Caravan region. It was 100%. You mentioned the petition that was uh, submitted to the state government uh, expressing opposition to, to fracking. This question answers itself in a way, but um, how can the McGowan government ignore such widespread, overwhelming uh, opposition? What, what's been done in terms of representation from the the Moore River region to the McGowan government. Is the McGowan government, for instance, aware of the the, the results of this survey? And, and if so, how have, they, uh, how have they responded? Well, I hope they... I, I really hope he is aware. We sent out invitations for our declaration, which was held last... not this Sunday, the Sunday before, and we had 100 people, of the, the people in the community turned up for that. We sent invitations out to... Uh, regional uh, members of parliament and uh, state and federal government and um, Jane Love uh, had a prior engagement and Darren West also had a previous engagement and then he said he thought that he would be able to come this is Darren and um, he then on the day said he couldn't make it because of something else had cropped up and he couldn't get there. Convenient. And meanwhile, I'd had have several conversations via... Uh, Darren had come to Woodridge to find out what people in the community, what concerns there were, and I think quite a number of us had gone to his um, mobile office and told him we were really concerned about fracking. And um, he did 
say that he also had concerns about it himself and, um, you know, uh, that so far they hadn't allowed any fracking to go ahead. But, um, you know, they, they, they say that the lease has been removed over our little particular area, but Minerals Resources holds an existing licence and uh, the larger part of that licence extends right over the Yarragadi Aquifer, which is our main groundwater resource and personal main groundwater resource. And it's, you know, Jinjin is the food bowl for Perth. How can they do this? How can they do it? We've got farmers, orchardists, market gardens, beef growers, you know, meat growers. We've got everything going on up here that uh, needs to be protected. And on top of all that... You know, there, there, there's, you know, there's the wet, wetlands, the rivers. Um, it's a tourist area as well. We've got to preserve these areas. We've got to preserve them for everything and the amount of water that's going to be taken. How, how can they do this when we're in a drought? You know, we're, we're in temperature warming, droughts all over Australia, and they want to give our water away and poison it. What uh, is your understanding of the, the time frame here? You mentioned the Mineral Resources uh, Australia licence that extends in, into your region, but is there any danger in, in your view uh, that this whole process could actually start any time soon in terms of actual uh, commercial-scale fracking taking place? Because it, it's an issue that we've covered on the show over a number of years, and uh, without uh, running the risk of, of, of sounding complacent about it, it, it seems like it's almost an issue where there's a lot of shadow boxing involved in terms of there's moratoriums and then there's licences issued and then there's there's further delays and uh, commercial fracking never really seems to get off the ground. As I say, I don't wish to encourage complacency because it's an important issue. But the, the question being, are you uh, concerned in terms of uh, the, the time frame of, of, of commercial scale fracking, particularly in your region, maybe being uh, introduced sometime soon, or is it still a, a kind of a, a distant long-term threat? Well, I just don't know. Like I say, I'm, I'm quite old. I, I don't know when when and what and if it's going to happen. But there is a licence which is uh, that he's, uh, I think Mark McGowan has allowed existing licences to um, do, um, you know, exploration. Um, and I'm pretty sure if they're going to find anything, they're going to want to frack it. Um, I am concerned. I am concerned. I think something can happen, and I just don't know. And this is the position we're all in. We don't know, and we just don't want it. Coming back to the community engagement, Jill, I was uh, in in Germany, a bit of a lateral connection, but it shows you, I guess, the, the worldwide opposition to fracking. I was in Germany last year in uh, a village called Fischerhude, uh, just near Bremen, and it was amazing to see that entire village with uh, frack-free signs uh, all across all across the village in, in front of all the uh, the farmhouses and so on. And it was kind of amazing, and it reminded me of the campaign back here in Australia. And it also made me think about how amazing that sort of community level of in, engagement is. Has has this survey process kind of, I guess, strengthened the community? And you know, is there that sense of, um, of, I guess, I guess, unity and solidarity within the community against uh, fracking? Because that's very much what I saw in this this village in Germany. Oh yes, absolutely. Um, there are two other communities that we know at the moment who are actually ready and have dates to to do their declarations. These are two communities just north of us. And uh, but they've had to cancel the you know the actual days because of the COVID nineteen virus thing, 
and um, they're just going to have to find uh, other ways, you know, to to find ways of doing this online, I suppose. I don't know. They're going to have to be quite clever in how they do it, but um, they do, do. And I know that there is also a survey happening at the moment in Jinjin Town Site and around, so... It's certainly um, everybody, I think, in the Shah is, is aware of and has concerns. Uh, so, it's it, you know, we will be having our big signs up, but we're not allowed to put them on the main roads. There are all sorts of restrictions. That was going to be my next question. So you're not allowed to put them on the roads, Jill? Not along the main roads. They can go on private property adjoining. Um, I'm not quite sure exactly what those restrictions are because, as I say, there are four of us and we've each sort of taken on a different side of doing this. But um, that we are going to get signs up at the entry to Woodridge and I think everybody is going to have signs up somewhere, big signs. Finally, Jill, uh, what would you say to, to people who might be listening to this interview in, in perhaps communities where the survey hasn't taken place and there's concerns about about fracking? Uh, how would they go about the process? I mean, it's, I must say, very inspiring that the that the story you, you, you've told today, uh, particularly that it's you know, only a handful of people and it's often the way, isn't it, with these things? It's a handful of people that, that get get the work done. So, would you just recommend, I guess, concerned neighbours get together and just and just initiate the process, perhaps in coordination with Lock the Gate? Oh, absolutely. I think to get in touch with Lock the Gate and get in touch with local representatives and, and get them to come along and do a, um, you know, do a talk in the communities and they, they will then sort of take them step by step and guide them through it. But I also wanted to say that on the actual day of declaration was an amazingly joyous day and all the work and everything that's sort of gone into it to have 100 people there on the day was just fantastic. And also um, we had Nungarel de Bev, Beverly Port Lewis came to do a, um, a welcome to country. And, you know, she was in so much support of what we were doing. Um, it's affecting the Indigenous people as well. They're very concerned and worried about this. And well, we all are. I mean, I, I can get very teary about this, talking about it can um, affect me. <laughs> so, yes, um, Yes, get in touch with Lock the Gate.